We're going to look together this morning at uh, Psalm 34, and I want to begin by reading verses 1 to 3. Psalm 34 and verses 1 to 3. I will extol the Lord at all times. His praise will always be on my lips. My soul will boast in the Lord. Let the afflicted hear and rejoice. Glorify the Lord with me, and let us exalt his name together. I will extol the Lord at all times. That's David's resolve. His praise will always be on my lips. This psalm is an acrostic. What it means is the various verses start with a different letter in order of the Hebrew alphabet. It's a reflection uh, that David writes upon an experience that he has had, which is referred to in the heading to the psalm when he pretended to be insane before Abimelech, who drove him away, and he left. And, And out of that situation, David resolves that he is going to extol, that is, he's going to enthusiastically praise the Lord at all times, and his praise will always be on my lips. Now, this episode in in David's life was a strange one. It was in his early life before he became king. And when Saul was the king of Israel, he was the first king of Israel, And uh, David had been anointed to be king in Saul's place. Uh, Samuel had anointed him at God's command because Saul was not going to uh, have a dynasty. He wasn't going to be succeeded by his son, Jonathan. Although Jonathan was a far better man than his father. But Saul had disobeyed God, and uh, so another king was anointed to take over from him. And as you look at David's early life, there there are times of of great triumph. For instance, when he fights Goliath, the Philistine, the the giant of a man, uh, who was intimidating the whole armies of Israel. And uh, David goes to fight him, and uh, he kills him, and uh, the Philistines flee, and Israel is triumphant. And that was a great day for David. He emerges onto the public scene. And indeed, after that, he continued to serve Saul and to lead the armies of Israel. And he led them with with great success. Saul was a good soldier. And uh, the women, when David came back uh, from fighting and defeating the armies of their enemies, said Saul had killed his thousands, but David his tens of thousands. And uh, so he was popular, he had great military success. But he had to deal with a a jealousy that Saul had. Saul knew that God's hand was on David. The Spirit of the Lord had come on David when he was baptized by Samuel. And uh, it was a pathological jealousy. There was nothing that David could do to stop Saul's jealousy. And although uh, when Saul was depressed and uh, being oppressed, uh, he would like David to play uh, for him, to play music, which soothed him. But on other occasions, he hated him and wanted to kill him. On one occasion, he took a spear and he threw it at David to try to pin him to the wall. Uh, But David escaped. And he became then really 
a man who was fleeing from Saul, and that's how his earthly life was, early life was spent, fleeing from one place to another. Saul's son Jonathan tried to help him, and he did really encourage him. But when Saul realized that Jonathan was on David's side, uh, then Saul was angry with Jonathan, and he threw a spear at him as well. And uh, Saul sent out soldiers constantly seeking David, and uh, their instructions were to kill him. And that's the background to the events that this psalm recalls, uh, because David was fleeing from Saul. And in order to escape Saul, he went into the territory of the Philistines. And he went to a place called Gath. It was actually the place from which Goliath had come. And on his way there, because David had had to flee in a hurry, he had no weapons. And he went to some priests at a place called Nob, and he asked did they have anything they could give him. And they knew something strange was happening when he asked that. But they said, well, actually, we've got a sword here. Only one sword, but it's the sword of Goliath. And David said, please give it to me. There's no sword like that one. And then he goes to Gath. That's Goliath's home territory. He's got Goliath's sword. And uh, he finds himself in the territory of the king of Gath. And when he arrives there, the the servants of the king of Gath say to him, isn't this David? The king of the land, he's so well known, they think he's already king, and Saul is still king. Isn't he the one they sing about in their dances? Saul has slain his thousands, and David his tens of thousands. We're told that David took these words to heart and was very much afraid of Achish, king of Gath. He suddenly realized he's in enemy territory, he's on his own, and he's likely to be killed once they know who he is. And so he knows that his life is in great danger, and he's afraid. And so what he did was to pretend to be insane in the presence of Achish or Abimelech, the same man, just two different names by which he was known. And uh, he behaved like a madman. He made marks on the doors of the gate and let saliva run down his beard. So the king said to his servants, look at the man, he's insane. Why bring him to me? Am I so short of madmen that you have to bring this fellow here to carry on like this in front of me? Must this man come into my house? And so the king says, there's no point in worrying about him, he's mad. And then we're told that David left Gath and uh, he went to a cave, a cave of Adullam. And there his family came and uh, people who had problems of one kind or another came and he had a a small band of people with him, a motley crew, really, of people. So that's the background to the psalm. And it's not the, the, the greatest time in David's life, but it does reveal how a true believer, a man like David, who's a man after God's own heart, under pressure, can do things that they wouldn't do if they were not under that great pressure. And uh, people who are Christians, people who are believers, reflect on their failures. And uh, we learn from them. Uh, So he says here in the psalm, uh, in verse 13, keep your tongue from evil and your lips from speaking lies. He's reflecting on what he did and he's learning from it. 
You see, sometimes we give the impression, especially if we're older Christians, that we've never really had any problems. There are never any tough times for us. And that we've always somehow behaved in an impeccable way. But that isn't the case. And it's often out of the things that we do that are wrong things that we're able to learn, to learn more about God, to learn more about ourselves and about our need of his grace. And, and David is saying now, from now on, I'm going to extol the Lord at all times and his praise will always be in my lips. I, I told untruths, I behaved in a wrong way. But now my resolve is always to extol the Lord and my soul will boast in the Lord. And uh, then he says, let the afflicted hear and rejoice. Let other people who are going through problems learn from my experience and have that same reason to praise and extol the Lord. Glorify the Lord with me and let's exalt his name together. You see, David says, when I was in that situation, I, I lived according to my own wits. I wasn't trusting the Lord. I was just trying to get out of it because I thought I was going to die. But he says, from now on, in every situation, I'm going to praise the Lord and let all who are godly do the same. And so I want to just pull two things really out of this psalm. And the first is this, that our speech reveals the state of our hearts. What we say with our mouths reveals what's going on inside us. Jesus said, for the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. We sometimes don't think about our words, and yet we speak often. For instance, people speak against other people. Sometimes it's slanderous, uh, a devilish characteristic which seeks to destroy the reputations of others. Speaking things that are false in order to damage another human being. Sometimes there's gossip, an idle talk, but with malicious intent. When we talk about somebody, we tell something about somebody else that, that puts them in a, a bad light. And uh, we do it, really, with a malicious intent. And then sometimes there are lies. They're, they're deliberate falsehoods. We so say something we know to be wrong. The book of Proverbs says, whoever would foster love covers over an offense, but whoever repeats the matter separates close friends. Sometimes something is said about one person to another in order to gain the friendship of the person to whom we're speaking and against the interests of the person that we speak about. And again, Proverbs says, with their mouths, the godless destroy their neighbors, but through knowledge, the righteous escape. So the things that we say can often be against other people, and sometimes they're against God himself, misusing God's name, blasphemy. Paul says that before he became a Christian, he was a, a blasphemer. Uh, he spoke against the Lord Jesus Christ vehemently, and he persecuted those who were Christians. And uh, so there are people today, the name of God is, is spoken without any regard for him or concern about him. And again, it's the mouth speaking. And there's sometimes worship that is not real worship. It's, it's play acting. It's hypocritical worship. It's lip service. 
And Jesus in Mark's Gospel says, Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you hypocrites. As it is written, these people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They go through the motions. We can do that. We can sing and our hearts are not in it. And it's not really worship. And David is saying he's going to extol the Lord at all times. And people spoke against the Lord Jesus Christ. They said that it was by the power of Beelzebub, the prince of the devils, that he cast out demons. Uh, When he was put on trial, people came and gave false testimony. They spoke against him. Uh, When he went to the cross, there were people who came to cast insults at him. He saved others. They said he can't save himself. If he's the Christ, the King of Israel, let him come down from the cross and we will believe in him. But they didn't mean that. It was their mouths speaking and speaking evil against the Lord Jesus Christ, mocking him. And so our speech, the things we say, reveal the contradictions in our hearts. In the letter of James, he says, with the tongue, we praise our Lord and Father, and with it, we curse human beings who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth come praising and cursing. That's the battle we've got, isn't it? The things that we say. And uh, sinful words are inflammatory. Uh, David, as uh, James says, sorry, that the tongue is a fire. And it sets things alight. I'll be hearing someone saying about difficulties in churches or difficulties in relationships. And he said, you know, things that happened many years ago, I, I can't remember what it's all about. But I remember what people said. And that stays in my mind. And uh, that's because the tongue is a fire. And uh, the things that we say matter. The way we speak when we don't extol the Lord at all times, but we speak other things. Sinful words will bring judgment. Jesus said, but I tell you that everyone will have to give an account on the day of judgment for every careless or empty word they have spoken. For by your words you will be acquitted and by your words you will be condemned. Things we said and and it expressed the state of our hearts. When Isaiah the prophet had a vision of the Lord, when he was called to be an apostle, he saw the Lord high and exalted and he heard the cherubim and seraphim singing, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. This is what he said, Woe to me, I am ruined, for I am a man of unclean lips and I live among a people of unclean lips and my eyes have seen the King the Lord Almighty. We're living in a society, aren't we, where where words are used in very dishonourable ways, generally, in the media and television programmes and films, in ordinary conversation. And and the the things that are said reveal the state of the heart. And uh, Isaiah doesn't simply say, I live amongst a people of unclean lips, but he says, I am a man of unclean lips because he's seen the Lord, and suddenly the things that he has said convict him, and he realizes his need. And so David is conscious that he said things, he he did things that were not true, and uh, he's learned from that experience. Uh, 
And uh, that's the second thing I want us to see, that just as our speech reveals the condition of our hearts and the state of our hearts, when we experience God's grace, it leads to a new focus and a new resolve and a new determination. And David speaks about that because even when he was doing and saying wrong things amongst the Philippines, he was, he was calling out to God. And God is wonderfully gracious in hearing our prayers when we're under great pressure. In verse 4, he says, I sought the Lord, and he answered me. He delivered me from all my fears. He was conscious that he didn't die. And he sees that not as because he had deceived the king of the Philistines, uh, but because God had graciously delivered him from the things that he feared. He continues in verse 5, those who look to him are radiant, their faces are never covered with shame. This poor man called, and the Lord heard him. He saved him out of all his troubles. Do you have times in your life when you think, I'm a poor person? You come to God to pray and you, you just realize your own emptiness and your own need. And you perhaps say, why, why would God be interested in me? Well, David said, this poor man called and the Lord heard him, saved him out of all his troubles. That's why he is going to extol the Lord at all times and his praise will always be on his lips. Not because he's a perfect man who has never sinned, a man who is always living righteously, but because out of his sin, out of his need, out of his affliction, when he cried out in his poverty. The Lord heard him, answered his prayers, and saved him. And uh, so he, he goes on later in the psalm in verse 17 to say, the righteous cry out and the Lord hears them. He delivers them from all their troubles. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. David is saying that the antagonism and hatred of Saul was wearing him down. And when he was in the land of the Philistines, he was broken-hearted. He was on his own, and he was vulnerable, and he was crushed in spirit. But the Lord was close to him. As he was living according to his own wits, the Lord was there. He didn't seem to realize that at the time, except to cry out to the Lord. And the Lord saved him when he was crushed in spirit. Have you had times in your life when you've been broken-hearted, and crushed. All the strength and all the energy and all the vitality has been crushed out of you by circumstances and situations. And you thought the Lord was far away, but he wasn't. He was near, and he heard, and he saved you. And when the Lord Jesus Christ died upon the cross, he, he died for our sins, including those sins of speech, the things that we've said of which we're ashamed his speech was pure. He always spoke the truth. Peter tells us there was no deceit found in his mouth. When they hurled their insults at him, he didn't retaliate in kind. They said falsehoods against him, but he didn't retaliate. They hated him. He didn't hate back. When they made their threats, he didn't make threats back again. That's what human nature does, isn't it? When people attack us and say unkind things, we want to say unkind things back. But Jesus didn't do that. 
because he was dying on the cross for our sins, including the sins of our speech. And now he's in heaven. What he's doing, he's interceding for us. He's speaking for us. And his heavenly advocacy is gracious and eloquent and effective. You know, sometimes when somebody goes to court, they have character witnesses who come. And they're not witnesses to what happened, but they speak for the people who are being accused and and they say what good people they are. And the Lord Jesus Christ is in heaven now and his his words are for us, not because we're good, but because he's our saviour. And he died to pay the price of those sins, those sins of speech. And he's able to save us from the guilt of our sins of speech and from the power of them. And that's what David is really saying. I've resolved to be different from now on. I'm going to extol the Lord at all times and his praise will always be on my lips. I'm going to glorify him and exalt his name using his mouth to tell of the greatness of God. And uh, perhaps we sometimes need to be cleansed from the guilt of our sins and also to know a new life, a breaking of the power of things because words are out before we know it and uh, we need God's help to overcome that. When I was in Deeside, I I preached on this passage and uh, there was a lady in the congregation called Gladys. Uh, She'd come into contact with the church uh, through a ministry that a lady in the church was carrying out amongst people who were terminally ill, who had cancer and were seriously ill. And this lady in the church who had lost her husband to cancer and who was a nurse used to visit people, people who didn't come to the church but just who needed help and encouragement. And obviously she would... Uh, tell them about the Lord Jesus. She would pray with them. And she was told about Gladys and she started visiting her. And and Gladys was a a lady who had been brought up in a Welsh chapel. Um, But she never went to chapel after that and she was really bitter and uh, angry against God. Um, But the lady Janet kept visiting her and uh, gradually uh, Gladys decided that she wanted to come to church. And she started attending the services. She was very ill. She had lung cancer, and she was often very weak. And uh, one Sunday evening, I was preaching on this psalm uh, and upon this theme of our words. Uh, and in a very lovely way, God convicted Gladys. We had no idea that that was something she struggled with. But I guess there were things she said. She swore, she blasphemed, she said things against God. And God just showed her her sin. And uh, she put her trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. And she was saved. And uh, God spoke to her and said, yes, this is, this is your sin. Not just sin in general, but this particular sin deeply convicted her. But she realized that the Lord Jesus Christ had died for those sins. That his blood was able to cleanse her from all sin. And uh, she became a Christian. She was still very, very ill. And uh, she was determined to be baptized. And that we baptized her one evening. And uh, she spoke about her, her experience of God's grace. I visited her on the, the last night she was here on earth. Went into her house and she was downstairs in the bed. And uh, as I went, I said, uh, how are you? This is what she said. She said, I'm fine. You know what I mean. Her body was wasting away, but inwardly she was being restored. It's a wonderful work that God did in her life. And uh, she went to be with the Lord in a matter of hours 
uh, after that because Jesus saved her. David says, this poor man called, this poor lady called. And the Lord heard her and saved her out of all her troubles. Isn't it a wonderful thing when we see our sin and, and we see it in a way sometimes which makes us feel helpless and powerless and guilty and ashamed. But then to realize that the Lord Jesus Christ came into the world in order to live and to die and to rise again for people like us. And David had done wrong things, he knew that, but now he longed to be holy. He longed to stop doing the things that were wrong and to do the things that are right, to use his mouth. And of course he wrote many psalms, many wonderful expressions of praise to God. And uh, we delight to read them and to sing them. Because our words can be a great blessing to other people. Again, listen to Proverbs. Where words are many, sin is not absent. But the prudent hold their tongues. The tongue of the righteous is choice silver. The lips of the righteous nourish many. And, And words can be so enriching and so helpful. David's words became that as he wrote the many psalms he wrote. Uh, again, in, in Proverbs, the lips of the righteous know what is fitting. They know the right thing to say, and they know when to be silent and not to speak. And Paul writes to the Ephesians, he says, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. Do my words benefit those who listen? It's the very opposite, isn't it, of those words that accuse and attack and seek to do harm to people. Instead, there's speech that wants to build up, that wants to encourage, that is wholesome. And uh, David is saying that's that's what he's learnt from that experience in his life. Are we learning from our failures, the wrong things that we have done? All of us do those things. But out of them, the Lord can show us his grace and then give us that resolve and that determination to be different. And so Paul is, uh, David is saying now that he's determined to continually praise the Lord and to tell of his worth. And the psalm is full of examples of that. At the end of the psalm, he says, evil will slay the wicked, the foes of the righteous will be condemned. The Lord redeems his servants. No one will be condemned who takes refuge in him. He's enthusiastically praising and commending the Lord. He says, glorify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. So he's going to do that. And he he does it through the writing of psalms, through the playing of music, uh, through the leading of Israel in the worship of the Lord, a worship that comes from his heart. And of course, heaven is a place that is full of worship and praise of God. Uh, in the book of Revelation, the Apostle John has a, a vision of a great multitude that can't be counted from every nation, tribe, people and language standing before the throne of God and before the Lamb. What did they do? They cried out in a loud voice. They gave expression to the reason why they were there and the reason they were full of joy. Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. What a wonderful thing to be able to praise God with our lips. I wonder whether you have the same desire and determination that David had in this psalm. 
to enthusiastically praise God, not occasionally, not just for an hour on a Sunday morning, but always. And it's because of his grace, because of his kindness. The Lord had heard David when David was struggling and doing things and saying things he shouldn't do. And yet the Lord saved him from all his troubles. And he's filled David's mouth with praise. And uh, it's no wonder, therefore, that as he speaks of his own resolve to extol the Lord at all times, he encourages those who are afflicted to hear what he is saying and to rejoice. And he says, glorify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together.